Being human, do you ever wonder what makes us who we are? Our habits, preferences, or where we came from? We are expressing ourselves in thousands of ways every day through our choices. Let's have a conversation with people who are having interesting lives. My name is Alan Walker. I'm a doctor of chiropractic and a human being. So I'm Alan Walker. I am a chiropractor. I've been working as a chiropractor in Daventry for the last two years. Um, and I've decided to start doing some podcasts because I think they'd be quite interesting because I've got to know quite a lot of interesting people. Um, and one of those people that I'd like to introduce you to is a lady called Marina Lacomba. And Marina is a, uh, a singer. She's a songwriter, producer, performer, a singing teacher and a world traveler. Uh, so I'd like to introduce you to Marina right now. Very pleased to have you on. Thanks for having me. So Marina, the, um, the, the reason why I thought when I, uh, about having you on is because you've had a very interesting and colorful life. Um, you're obviously a Ukrainian citizen, but you weren't born in the Ukraine. So I was sort of, uh, when I looking back at your past and doing a little bit of um, work behind the scenes, it's quite interesting for me to find out where you were from and where your family have come from and your sort of journey through your early part of your life and how you've got to where you are today uh, and to talk a little bit about music, to talk a little bit about um, the problems that we're having at the moment with Ukraine and with Russia and um, some colourful details in between. So I hope you're happy to do something like that. Yes, sounds like a good plan. Brilliant. So you are born not originally from Ukraine. Right. So um, it is kind of hard to explain where you're born if the country where you're born at doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it reminds me of that movie with Tom Hanks uh, when uh, he took his flight and it was a connection in between and during the connection there was something happening in his country and it stopped existing actually and then he couldn't get anywhere because he couldn't get a visa because his passport not valid anymore. So do you remember that terminal? Yes. Yeah, terminal, that's right. Yes. Airport, yeah. So uh, I believe that a lot of past Soviet Union citizens and probably for a few more generations to come going to be in this sort of limbo zone. Hopefully not. Um, well, hopefully they will get over it faster and smoother. But in general, I was born in the big country that used to call Soviet Union and and. Um, it was a big country that was having so many other little republics inside. And my father used to be a military man. And that's why at the moment when I was about to get born, we was in Russia, in Siberia. It's a very close to polar situation. And uh, basically uh, snow, half year night, half year a day. And uh, the first memories actually ever, it's the uh, higher much higher than human six foot of snow yes so you can wake up and some lovely people god bless their hearts already dig the tunnel vertical tunnels not the tunnel like channels. The, the channels yes that's that's a better way to describe it to the shop to the work to the kindergarten to the closest school the only one in little town and that was it basically so you ending up going in through snow labyrinths sometimes we moved from there when i was around Four-ish, five-ish. What's your earliest memory of being there? Well, snow and night. 
So I was born to the night. Born to the night. That sounds romantic. That's not. That's a bit suggestive. Anyway, I was born to the night. And um, I remember that my mom was telling me, or uh, the second half of a year, there was actually a day, but that was a night. Yeah. It's just very... So you're talking about six months of, of darkness? Yes, and six months of light. So it is the moment when the uh, mom struggling to explain little child that it is time to sleep because it's night, while outside is obviously a day. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then you left there at what age? Uh, four or five, and went to Ukraine. It was still Soviet Union. So the Soviet Union Army, they had... Um, movement free that was moving a lot my dad uh, there was few options and he decided to go to ukraine because he ethnically ukrainian um this is the misconception that lots of people in england has because they say if you're born somewhere then you're that which is obviously i'm ukrainian but i was born in russia so but i am not russian um so my ethnicity is ukraine ukrainian i was born in russia and my citizenship is ukrainian so it's a three different things that often because of the um, historical and cultural and lawful basis in UK, people usually take as one as the same for granted. No, it's not. And all post-Soviet Union countries, they're actually having this little messed up and it's sometimes hard to explain. Yeah, I understand the language is different as well. Uh, yeah, yes, obviously the languages are different, yeah. I mean, how different? I understand that Ukrainian, you know, uh, the Polish will understand you and the Ukrainians will understand the Polish, yeah. but that it isn't necessarily the case that the Russians will understand Ukrainian or Polish. Yes, that's, that's correct. So, um, Ukrainian language carrier, the people of Ukraine, let's call it like this, they can understand easy Russian, Ukrainian, they can have very good idea what Polish people talking to them about, and um, there are a few more Slavic related languages around as well, which is Russian slightly different. Still, Turk language, Turks language uh, group uh, has a big impact historically on Slavic languages, Ukrainian and Russian as well. There's lots of words there in this, but um, still, the more times um, passing the more these two nations moving apart, uh, no pun intended uh, in these dark <laughs> times, but I yeah. mean culturally and language-wise as well. So Ukrainian language, more than Ukrainian language, keep on evolving. And obviously because of um, the culture of the whole world moving faster in Ukraine is more integrated into Western world and culture now than ever. More like they European. have more, yes, they have more um, language incomes as well. So there's lots of words that are coming from English as well. I've noticed there's uh, a lot of people from Europe that are living in Ukraine as well. Not, it isn't just a one-way thing. It's, it's a mixture of uh, like a cosmopolitan type of area as well. Yes, we're languages. moving there. We're getting there yeah. slowly. And of course the food is, is um, would you say the food is, would you say it's Soviet Union type? Um, you know, the cabbage rolls, which obviously you get in Poland, and would you say it's a similar type of thing with foods? Yes, I would say it is a similar type. You know, when you talk about any culture or food or even, uh, let's face it, languages, uh, the similarities and differences, they dictated uh, not by regulations of the law, effective from, you know, 2005 or something. It, it, it actually goes down to, root going down to 
geographical position, what vegetables and what resources are available, and cultural side of it, how they're prepared and how people prefer to consume them or preserve them. It's also about, you know, imagine the old times when probably our continents had slightly different shapes, you know, and then there was lots of tribes moving Across the land masses at the time. Yes. So when someone says, I am uh, Russian or I'm Ukrainian or I am, you know, British or it's, it's very interesting how deep you like to dig and how much new unexpected things you're ready to know about yourself and your ancestry because, uh, the world is fluid. Everything is moving. But obviously there are some definitions that, you know, that geographically, Turks was moving, uh, there's some Chinggis Khan people was going through, passing by a few times, probably had some um, successful marriages, fruitful ones, you know. I'm sure. <laughs> pretty yeah. sure, yes. Um, Brown-eyed people, like moi as well. Okay, yeah. Yes, yeah, so um, Vikings, they used to go together with the Cossacks, with the Ukrainian part of that history as well. So it's all intertwined so when you think about ukraine and ukrainian food and culture you're probably thinking about ukraine that was declared and had a constitution i'm trying to be very clever now at uh, 1993 just give me a second at 91 okay this embarrassing 24th of of august uh, 1991 so yep. the golden 90s, uh, I'm making lots of jokes about. So it was the time when Soviet Union finally dissolved or, or was kind of nearly there. Uh, but the, the mainly Ukraine declared its independency and uh, started working on a currency and constitution of its own family after many years of struggling yeah. and getting there. So yeah, you're talking about this Ukraine, but it's so much more than that. It's a very a long-term historical situation. Like any country the in the world, actually. Yes. Well, of course. I mean, it's it's like, you know, people talk about being British and then these days we're very lucky to have genetic tests and then we're finding out that we've, some people have got African blood, some people have got German blood, some people have Indian blood. You know, mm. it's, it's surprising that they've got, that they're not what we think is being a pure British, that it's a big mixing pot, this country. And of course it's going to be, you know, every continent of the world is going to have these mixes. And as long as we can travel across water, we're going to be mixing with other people. So, of course, there's going to be a difference in genetics. So it's, I, I, the reason why I've asked you some of these questions is because we've been very aware of um, having conversations with people where they, they just think, oh, yeah, Ukrainians, you know, they're all uh, basically Russians. Russians. Yeah, but uh, without the understanding of actually these, all of these separate countries weren't always together. This has been a yeah. fairly modern type scenario. And um, that they were brought together at one time, and then they've been separated off. Right. And obviously, I mean, for me as well, it's it's interesting. You know, I did a little bit of homework, and I was always surprised to find out that, uh, for example, that we've got 67 million people that live in the UK. There is, if you double that up, 67, about 140 million people. That's actually what there is in Russia. Mm. And yet the continent, the landmass of the UK... You can tie it's six thousand percent bigger in Russia, right. and only twice the population, and we're being bullied by 
the Russians, the whole world has had to change because it's decided to become aggressive, which I just thought that was very interesting. And put it in perspective, about the 140, twice as many people in Russia than, than in the UK. To put that in perspective, there's 1.4 billion in China and 1.4 billion in India. So the populations of these countries is enormous and it dwarfs Russia and obviously dwarfs the UK. You know, it's a, it's a huge amounts of people. And so the, the power hasn't been equally moved around, has it? I don't think. I just thought it was very interesting to understand how many people are actually living in these different countries and that the, the power is basically pushed by it nuclear. It depending it what you, what, how you define word power, actually. You know, are you, do you mean resources or money? It's resources and or power. Or do you mean uh, political impact? Uh, or you mean f fesh, fanciness of the country, if that's the way to say it? I think, so I, think it's quite it, yeah, I think it comes from what I've seen so far in my mm. life. Um, I'm 54 this year. Send me a postcard, won't you? 54, 30th mm. we'll of May, do. yeah. We'll do. Um, but it comes to my, my mind from what I've seen about uh, how we get pushed around as human beings is that... It comes from money first, and then money can buy power, mm. and then comes fanciness. Right. Um, I have a triangle theory. Can oh, I share oh, yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's quite useful. So triangle um, comes from three main most important resources that human can ever think of, in my not very humble opinion. So it goes like this. It's money, time, and people. So uh, these three are very important resources. And now let's try to see them in a different perspective. It's all related to the understanding of power. Power is when you have choice when to do what you want, get the result you want, right? Whatever you want can happen, right? When you imagine powerful God, the God yeah. with the beard, whatever he, you know, he wishes. Desires, yeah. Yes. So um, let's go to the smaller scale and say you're not a god you don't want to you know michael jackson still to be alive and dalai lama would be your best friend let's say you want something very humble like your business to be successful you have a project you have deadlines so now we're talking about resources and it always goes down to um, people money and time so what do you think is most important to have some people prioritize money and let's imagine situation people have money on the top of the triangle and they have a little mm -hmm. bit of time and they're struggling to find right people. All this money can be wasted and time can be wasted if there is no good people to execute it. Okay. Let's move. You have people, but you don't have enough time. So moving the triangle. Yes, yes. Still around. money on the top. Yeah. You have um, uh, good people around yeah. you. But, uh, you have time, but you don't have good... Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, I get confused. So you have good people, but you don't have yeah. time. So you sit standing there holding packs of money in your hands and very good team behind you, but you have 20 minutes. <laughs> what okay, can you do? Get, yeah. You understand. Um, and uh, I uh, think some people think it's time most important, right? It's not far from the truth. I actually think time is important, but if you have a lot all time in the world, but you have no money, you have people around you, well... It's still not going to work. Yeah, well, if people... Because the people go second, so they're not the best people ever, right? So it's kind of doable, people. And let's go to my favorite position, is when you have people, then you have time, yeah. and then you have money. I'll tell you what, if you have right people, and if you have okay amount of time, this combination, just of these two, can create that money that you need to even start something and then it can generate uh, the whole system that can work. So people is the most important. 
You think that's how these? Yes. Uh, the so I are think. So coming back to what we started, uh, power and how to make things happen your way, actually goes down to people. So which country is most powerful? Coming back to your population question, country has more people because they can make things done. Yeah. And they can get resources. They can make them work, you know, and um, so everything, I think, coming down to people and a little bit of time in the hands. So the future is might be in the hands of China and India in the future. Well, yeah, we went on a little bit of a tangent there, but I, I certainly enjoyed that. It was um, worth, worth the conversation, certainly to, for people to understand a bit more about the Ukraine. So how long did you stay in the Ukraine for? What was your education bringing it back to you, to your life? Bring back to my life, um, my education is a master's degree at pop music and singing and a singing teacher as well. Um, it is a thing. You can have mm. high education on Did that. Did you pay for that yourself? or? No, I actually won a competition of singing competition and I get it for free. Um, I, I worked to get it myself, uh, 17 years old. Okay. Yeah. So you, you were doing music at school? And yes, 13 years old, I started making it seriously, and since then everything changes, yes. And at 13 years old, a typical Ukrainian, would they be able to speak one language or two? Uh, or? Obviously two, yeah, and English at school. Right. What, what I am operating right now, the basis for it is just a normal Soviet Union school program, by the way. Okay, so you would learned three languages, Ukrainian, Russian, yes. English. Yes, English was from year five. Well, yeah. Of course it's English, of course it is. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and then following that at 17 years old, what did you do then? Uh, well, uh, the first thing I started doing is actually getting myself a job, obviously. Do you remember your first job? Uh, well, people call first job like something horrible. My first job was actually singing and uh, I didn't see it any other way. Where was that? It was in one of the most ridiculously, idiotically expensive restaurants in Kiev, in the very heart of the, uh, of the city, which was actually five minutes walk from my uni. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I always want to be so independent and uh, I was um, excited. Did you, did you sing on your own or was there, did you have anyone that supported you? Yes, there was a musician, one and then another, and they were switching. Um, so, yeah, the story of me getting that job is actually funny. I was not, you know, in Ukraine, that was a bit risky to hire me because I was not full 18 years old. But they liked me singing so much and uh, it was quite a weird situation to be put on. They're like, obviously, we want her to sing here. But and then they sold it. Do you remember what the song was? Uh, oh God, that was, um, I, I guess there was a few and one of them probably would be Whitney Houston, that old teenagers that times, uh, girls singing, singing girls I was just going mad about. What year was that? <laughs> and I, <laughs> something like that, I guess. That's, that's 17 years old. No, that, that was 13 years old, which actually oh, right, everything okay. started with, but it's just like, okay, so what should I do? The sing that one, that one, okay, that one, okay. The standard things throughout the planet, it was very, very similar things, I think. Yes, yes. You know, like these days, uh, sometimes in teaching kids singing, and they say, I asked like three years old, four years old, what inspires you? How did you decide to learn singing? Because it's quite a commitment, and people think singing is like uh, very easy and fun, but there's so much work behind it. But kids who practicing, they know in it, and they still don't give up, and one in the well, I just could not help it. I asked five years, four years old, like, what inspired you? Why do you want to be a singer? You work so hard. She says, I saw Frozen and I heard the song Let It Go and I could, and this is, a, it's not, it's a very, it's a typical, 
you know so i don't know who wrote this song and who you know made up the whole story but definitely it inspired so many kids to turn their faces to the light <laughs> you know so it's nice uh and i believe whitney houston uh, in 90s was something like this too to, or, to people like you that age. yes yes there was a light in the end of a tunnel i would say and where did you live then uh kiev region Kiev. Ukraine, Kiev is a capital, somewhere close. Yeah. yeah. And w w what sort of accommodation were you living in? Was it? Well, I lived with my parents and then I get into the uni as long as I get first excuse and first chance to get myself a dormitory place, which I immediately did and get myself a job. That was whew, 17 years old, gone. Freedom. Freedom. Yes. Independence. Okay. All the women were independent. <laughs> yeah, that was very, very exciting. I was very happy. And what was your next step? Well, uni, work, um, six day a week, four hours singing, four hours set. Um, I remember one year night, New Year night, I was singing 11 hours, then hour of a break and a few hours more. And I only calculated it actually later. I was just doing it. I was not even thinking about it. So yeah, um, it was quite intense. Work, uni, friendships, first boyfriends everything yes i had it all but mostly music and then so how many years were you in the country for uh in ukraine yeah well i finished the uni and it was five years and then i i guess i worked there for 10 15 years in ukraine then i started traveling this is all singing and yes yes all of writing. that yes yes nothing um uh, you know, some people in, in Britain say, what was your first job? You know, like, <laughs> what your first job? The first job, you know, the funny one. Yeah, McDonald's. So, yeah, yeah, so the first job like this, I only got when I got to uh, England, uh, when I was already, uh, let's say, after my 30s. Yeah. Far after. So, yeah, uh, that was the this first funny job, because uh, it's all different here. And if you don't have a connection that you was building, obviously, like I did in my country, in the industry, so many years. Um no one knows when did you leave um, Ukraine and where did you go to? Well, that was a story about China. We're coming to um, Asian part for years uh, in China. I was recording my second acoustic album and I was excited. Me and my friend producer, Eugenia Stupka, from, who lives now in LA, was planning um, a tour on Europe probably, you know, a few gigs here and there, just you know to go and spread the goods. And um, my friend's band uh, invited me to go with them for a three months contract in China because they have um, a female male singer, uh, but female singer was extremely pregnant by that point and uh, they invited me. First I said no, but then uh, after 48 hours and a few more conversations with them, my friends, um, I rearranged everything and said, okay, you know, it's going to be crazy, but let's try it. And I agreed. And uh, it, it, it made me finish the album for 45 days. And I was all, all, also working on few production for a few more artists. So basically, let's say <clears throat> one and a half album for 45 days was wow. produced and mixed. And uh, I was also traveling and gigging because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, girls got to pay bills. And yep. uh, so it was all together three hours of sleeping at night and consider yourself lucky. 45 days and then I cleaned everything, finished everything, there was complete closure and I went to China ready for new adventures for three months. Little well, you just decided, a Ukrainian girl just... Little did I know, you? yes, well I was In the 20s, 28, 30s. 29, mm. something like that. Just 
grab your passport and fly yeah. fly to China for the first time. Yeah, well, not exactly that. Grab a passport and run. But um, there's obviously uh, you know visa preparations, rehearsals with the band and everything. So it was prepared um, considerably in advance, but. Uh, I was quite ready for it because I needed some changes. I used to work in, in Kiev in the music industry for so many years and I kind of felt like I am hitting the ceiling. I could not get any farther because uh, I know people in the industry. I know the uh, most famous uh, artists. I sing backing vocals with them in the studio. We eat cookies and coffee behind the scenes on a voice show because I used to work there as well. And The music, voice? Yes, the voice of Ukraine and music producer of the X Factor calling me like 12 at night and saying, Marina, please, you know, we need some backing vocals tomorrow. Our artists, everything is rubbish. Yeah, so the voice is in a lot of different westernized sort of countries, if you like. Um, sorry? It's in westernized countries, The Voice, the, the program that we know in the UK. Yes, yes. I think a lot of people think it's just probably in the UK. They won't be aware that it's... No, no, no. It's everywhere. It's a franchise, yes. And X Factor as well. Mm -hmm. Or they call it slightly blah, blah, blah factor in some other yeah. countries. But yeah. So I, um, I mean, I was quite intact, but I didn't see my development as a singing, uh, as an artist myself. Like, if I want to write songs that I, I like to write... I will not find the feedback from people because they're busy with some other things, listening to funny music and being busy surviving, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, they don't have time for educational culture, which I understand. But they might have it, actually, in 50 years. I, I believe it will be, even in closest 15 years, it's going to be amazing, amazing place to be in the world. But by that point, I might be already busy with something else. <laughs> Busy with being old and cool, I don't know. So what was the uh, most exciting thing that you were involved with in China? Um, well, uh, China by itself is quite exciting because it's very different. I uh, suggest people who want to go to China as a tourist, yeah, be my guest or be their guest or whatever. But if you are going there as a person who wants to live there and work long term, short term, you need to have strong nerves, not because something is wrong with China, but it's just because it's very, very different. Logic that is obvious to um, Western people, absolutely oh, Our logic. Work. Our logic is different to their logic. Yeah, well, I mean, this is very nice of you, not me, because we say our logic, because usually people just say logic, and yeah. they assume there's only one logic exists. So you need to be quite open and uh, but this it's is being human. It's yes, understanding. Yes, everybody like so our way. Uh, yeah, of human our way is the best way, of course. Yes, uh, you're doing it a different way. You're doing it wrong. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's where we get into trouble. I think. I think so. Yes. Yeah. So, so the best, the best part of China was for you. Do you remember a particular situation where you're singing or? Oh, it's very beautiful places. There's some. Oh my God, mangoes. Summer, uh, south of China, the fruits there, I was eating them like an animal. That was actually slightly embarrassing how I was doing it. And I was doing it with the closed doors to make sure no one see me, but they were so juicy. Chinese people, um, they are a little bit like kids, especially in the villages and small towns, or small towns, a couple of millions, like no, mm -hmm. hundred millions, quite small for China. Small village, yeah. Yes, but the way of thinking, <laughs> they are a bit naive. So it's a good and a bad thing is, is at the same time. Um, yeah, well, with everything that comes out of it, it's, um, should I say in infantile a little bit? 
in decision making or taking responsibilities or avoiding or ignoring the problem sometimes just it's just yeah, just don't look him in the eye he'll go away kind of <laughs> attitude there's something to do with the different yes. ways of saying if you ask somebody if they would like to come out on friday mm -hmm. they have a way of answering that that means that it's not yes but it doesn't mean no either. Yes, yes. So in, in Chinese language, uh, in Mandarin, the classic ones, there's a, there's a few uh, regions there, but um, basically they don't have a word no in usage. They, they have bushi, which is not yes. Not yes. Yes. You see, I, should, I think I should be using that. Uh, yes, and it often. explains so much. Yeah. So I had a chance, I had a contract for six months in uh, Guangzhou in one city. Uh, and I thought I'm going to stay there longer. So I finally thought, okay, less than, because usually it was one month here, month and a half there. It was very quick. And if you're the only foreigner in the whole big city, so there's not much, uh, you know, Mandarin lessons for foreigners you can find, obviously, because market is not oozing not, with... <laughs> not full of, not full of <laughs> Ukrainian speaking. Yes. Uh, well, I know. That, I don't yeah. even talk about Ukraine. Just uh, I, I was ready to go from English. But anyway, so um, I get opportunity. I had opportunity for two and a half months to have uh, lessons on Mandarin. And it was an amazing experience. Uh, I was very lucky with the teacher and he was explaining, you know, the very basics of speaking. They have this pinyin. Pinyin is when they're writing in kind of Latin, you know, Latin, not Latin, how do you call it? it would, like almost English alphabet. Yeah. They're writing the uh, words with the toning, you know, indications and everything. So that was very. You mean they painted letters. No, 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 not no. that. That oh. that is the whole different level. Uh, so the first, just to understand what people are saying, what you living and working in China. That's that's another first step. Um, so. I, I don't was, think I'll be learning any Mandarin or Chinese. I'll I was surprised. You could be surprised. Camera. It's actually very entertaining, especially it's very musical because uh, I think every language is musical because in English, uh, sometimes people speak very clean English and you're like, oh yeah, but they have an accent. No, they don't. But they do have different toning, different from yours. And or Northern English people, they speak different toning. Obviously, there's some syllables work slightly differently but so you know what i mean mm -hmm. so music in every language but in chinese it's actually with the rules with the you know strict uh, so it's actually very very much fun to learn and and it and it helped me to understand so much of why they think this way mm. the way the grammar works is not that difficult um but the um sounds and the way the little slightly change of a tone can mean you know, for, how to know, simple cheesy example, number four or death. S or S. Oh, they sound the same. Yes. Not the sort of things you want to get mixed up with. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's why, just in case, they don't have fourth floors yeah, anymore. Anyway. The Chinese no menu. Room, do yes. you want number four? Or do, you know, not, yeah, doesn't exist. I don't want to get them too yes, confused. Yes, it, it doesn't exist. Yes. Yeah, I'm not looking for that one. Okay, you've got yeah. it. So, do you remember what sort of music you sang when you were in China? Mostly pop, uh, iconic or should I say pop iconic in Chinese version of reality songs because they're slightly different from the whole world, Top 40, and yes. Give me an example. Uh, um, I don't know. Do you remember Lady Gaga? Yeah. Uh, okay, there was a song that was like... Rude. <laughs> <laughs> she's still, considering she's still alive. Yeah, so uh, do you remember the song? <laughs> oh, the age of glory! Or that was the peak of that song. And I remember in one uh, nightclub in Shanghai, actually, the art director, which which is very Shanghai, should be quite you know, 
knowing pop music. Anyway, he was asking for more new, new stuff, new stuff. And I'm sitting there going through internet, American charts, UK charts, world charts, and I'm giving him the best. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then I, and then I accidentally give him some Lady Gaga, not famous song whatsoever. It, the song was Say Hey, 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 something very cute, but very, very harmless and not even Lady Gaga-ish whatsoever. You know, very cute song, you know, a little bit like, I like you, you probably like me. Hey, hey, I say hey, you say hey too. <laughs> so the song and the middle tempo it doesn't sound like a banger that they're expecting in the clubs and he's like yeah that one that is new finally and i was like but this is like six years old and not very yeah. he, he wouldn't listen anymore so and that was a moment Fun when music for children yeah and that was like i was like okay so it's just different reality i'm forgetting i'm constantly forgetting they will sit there in the nightclub and be living it yes absolutely yes 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 they would and they did yes and then when you left China, how long were you there? Four years? Uh, yeah, I was there for years. Two years I was traveling and then two other years I settled in Beijing. During all this time I was um, touring or performing. Uh, once I moved to Beijing and can settle there a little bit for two years, I also uh, take part in a few of my friends' bands' albums, uh, co-production. and been part. I was also all these four years keep on writing uh, top lines for some DJs that was released all around the world on labels and was doing the project Kinspin. So writing lots of um, Kingspin. Kingspin, Kingspin, yes. It was me, Marina, and girl DJ Marina as well. Um, isn't it confusing and convenient at the same time? Yeah. So yeah, we both was traveling and touring in Ukraine a lot. Those were very good music. Still proud of some of our tracks. They still make sense to me. Like yes. Can you still get hold of these tracks? Yes, I can. Yes, uh, yeah, I can. I can even perform them, but uh, um, I don't. Because I'm busy to writing, uh, writing your my stuff. synth wave stuff, yes. Yeah. yeah. So you say synth waves. Synth wave, yeah, synth pop, or, uh, you know, some people call some of the songs I, th I think we can call synth wave. So your music changed? Um, you know, I think it was quite um, established already in my head what I am. And by the years, I think I just, I know who I am. I can do so many things, you see. And... I can do this. I can do acoustic. Yeah, because that can be confusing if you can. If Absolutely, you have a lot of skills yes. And yes. lots of different things, like different hats you can wear. It can yes. be confusing about who you actually are. Yes. So I think as an artist, I'm, I'm feeling quite comfortable with what I am now. Um, and uh, like a synth queen. Ah, oh, stop it! <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yes, it's never enough of synthesizers. Yes, there should be more. Planning to get a few more. And it was the same in China that was the same. Uh, yes, obviously, I was I keep on uh, writing music in China as well. Yes, yeah, some of the songs that I was starting writing in China, actually, the, some bits of them I released in album Art of Underthinking when I was already in England. So some songs can be written in two hours. Some songs can be started five years ago and finished today for two hours when you undid so them. So that was the Art of Underthinking? Um, no, album. Art of Underthinking, the whole song was written in two hours when I was already in England, but there are a few songs that um, some ideas on for the them. Album. Yes. Okay. So it's uh, it, it it's all all sorts of situations with the songwriting can be happening. Long, fast. So you left China and came to the UK? Yes. Directly? I, I had to go to Ukraine for six months to sort out a visa. Um, if I would be a nice person, I would say, God bless home office. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, it takes time and a lot of hassle, and but it was all done, and voila, I'm in London. 
New Crossgate, watching a crazy person walk in the streets, uh, shouting something inaudible and waving a hammer. That could be. That was any, my first uh, first vision of, of New Crossgate, a yes, London life. I was like, nice. London public, yeah. <laughs> yes, well, so, so someone had a rough life. Yeah. Or day or weekend. And then since then, you've done some more music. Yes, I did. Yes, I yeah, frankly, I, I always do. Yeah, that was Art from the Thinking album, and since then. Right now I'm working on another one automatically because there's already, I think, more songs that I need for even two albums. But, you know, sometimes when song comes and it's very, very in the moment for you, you want to do it as fast as possible and do everything and release it and feel relieved. You know? I don't exactly know, no. I, I'm, I'm generally, you? my, my, um, <laughs> I don't work with, with music so much. I work with more with a skeleton. So it's, uh, it's not oh, quite right. the same thing. I have to take my time with that as well. I can't just brush through things through. Right. So this is, this, I need to just get this person. It, 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 it does work, work like, like this that. for some artists. <laughs> yes. For lots of them actually. Um, so yeah. Uh, so a few more singles and then honestly, I will stop releasing singles and I will just do the, uh, uh, just collect them in the album and work on the tunes with the next one. I already, by the way, have ideas for the name of the album, looking how the things are going. But for the new album? Yeah. Okay. So the, over the last 12 months, what music have you made and have you made any videos? Yes. Rain. Um, it's like eight-ish. Aces. Eight, yes, yeah, okay. which is a, a bit, uh, which is not a bit, pretty much about what I do. And um, what else was lighter? Um, slightly experimental. People accusing me to being Bjorkish and Kate Bushish. <laughs> and um, what else? Well, now nineteenth of May next week is going to be the release of another single. Guilty. I didn't want it to release any more singles, but I, I have to do it. Um, hesitation is very cool song. Okay. Yeah, and after that, I have two more singles that I hope to get videos for done. One of them actually almost done. Just waiting for one last X factor to it, yeah. and then it will be ready. And you manage to squeeze all of this music writing in around um, well what's actually happened over this last two months. Um, if I can just bring you back briefly to um, last year. Right. You were obviously living in the country mm -hmm. and you heard the news about mm -hmm. um, Putin and that situation. Do you remember where you were? Yeah. Um, felt quite isolated and lost. And it seemed like in the beginning of this coronavirus pandemic craziness, it was as well like, it seems that you actually watching a movie, apocalyptic movie, but it's not real. And you will wake up and think, oh, that was a weird dream. Something yeah, I'd agree like with that. that. Yeah, it's really, really strange feeling. And it takes you a lot of time to actually, no, no, it doesn't seem like I'm waking up. It, it is actually happening. Did it take you hours, minutes, or days to, to, to realize that the, the Ukraine was being an, an, attempt, an attempted invasion? Well, um, in terms of taking information to consideration, I think I'm quick enough. But if you ask me when I took it and when I 
accepted it? Is it, I don't know if it's a right word even to use in this sentence. I think there was a moment when almost a year after Ukrainian war, I, I also do production for some artists, you know, where some of them in Ukraine. It's also part of a job that, you know, a person like me can do. And um, uh, I am co-writing or helping or rewriting or doing, you know, sometimes artists come with a few lines and this is what I want a song about. And like, okay, I understand. So I do all analysis of the artist and the market and everything. And I come up with a suggestion of a song. So that was a song about war. And I, um, many people were asking, oh, why don't you write a song about war yourself? Tell them what's happening. And I, I couldn't explain them why I don't want to do that. But for this artist, I think because it was through somebody else, uh, it was a bit easier, and I just uh, um, started working on her song. And I wrote most musical parts, a little bit of chorus, but when I needed to write all the lyrics together, it was very hard. I couldn't force myself. I, I think it took me a week to, you know, okay, come on, go to the studio. This needs to be done. And I'm a very good girl. Now, I know if something needs to be done, I go and do it. And... Uh, waiting for all my deadlines and then I start coming. So once I set, I wrote down the whole lyrics and they are so personal and so alive and so about that, but not from the heroic perspective, from very human perspective. And very, because the singer is a girl and she's quite feminine, you know, so it should be a song from a girl's perspective. So the whole song, I wrote the lyrics, I recorded the demo vocals and it all was out and then I closed the project. I sat like this and cried, cried, cried for hours and hours and hours. First time um, my cry about the war. In the beginning there was panicking cry. There was, there was a little bit, you know, but that was a proper, and it took, I don't know, slightly less than a year, I would say. So actually you could. Yes. So I consider this for me as, like you say, comprehension of what actually yeah, going the, on the, because the music is like one or tentacles of mine to communicate release with the, and communicate yes with yes the world, to yeah. receive and give information so the proper receiving or giving information it's uh, writing a song and releasing it and letting it go and i think that was the moment but it took a long time yes it did yeah so i, I joined you on a visit to the ukraine um during the war um the first one was in february um february this year Mm -hmm. And from the visit in the Ukraine, I made a decision that actually I'd like to offer some support. Thank you for that. Yeah. And from that, you, you were able to help me to, to sort of make that happen. Mm. Um, and we went out there again on the date of, um, it was in March, mm. uh, which was quite interesting. It's not very easy getting there, is it? No, not these days. Used to be. Yeah, just jump on an easy jet flight and fly straight into... Yes, you wake yeah, up kids. seven in the morning and by one o'clock, two o'clock, you're already having tea in mum's kitchen. Mm -hmm. Yes, with her. Yeah. Not anymore. How did you feel when to think that you could go there and offer some extra support? I mean, obviously, you, you're doing business with, with the Ukrainian people while you're in the war, but offering some support in the way of... Um, and you, you were there for me to as a translator. Yeah, obviously it felt good. It felt like absolutely the right thing to do. And how well it was received? Well, it, it appeared to be very well received. Yes. What, what did you find? How would you Yes, some people uh, were still, still still texting me um, after the week, uh, weeks after with uh, thanks and saying hi to you and everything. 
Yeah. So, and the decision was made, obviously, to do this again. Yes. And um, so we're going back out there in... July? It seems like a, re a really good idea. So the July, uh, middle of July, we're going out there. We've got some contacts of people we can um, who can make it happen a lot larger. Um, I'm looking for chiropractors who are willing to come out there with me this time. Yes, um, expanded I think, team. Yeah, there's, there's, there's far too... I, I was very um, stretched last time I was there, working with the um, Ukrainian military. Um, I was amazed that they were turning up in vans, they were getting... Um, leaving the, the front where they were fighting, getting showered, putting some clean clothes on, jumping in vans um, with the military, clean military clothes and their guns. Yes. And so I've never, in, in a chiropractic clinic, I've never dealt with uh, Ukrainians before. Um, and I've certainly never dealt with uh, any, any human being that's turned up with guns. And they have to unload all of their uh, the pistols, it was a bit like um, Pirates of the Caribbean with one, one of the guys there taking out a gun yeah, out of the, the back of his uh, belt and then one out of his sock. It was, um, if we had another chap turn up who, who was uh, carrying a very large oblong rifle bag, which looked like it was carrying at least two rifles. And oh, he's obviously was a very busy guy, yeah, was he? Yeah, and, and, and asking not to have the photographs or videos taken as well, which yes. was um, yes. also told me a lot about who they were and what, what they were doing. So, so it, was, it was a very interesting thing to be involved with, and it, it, to be honest with you, it filled my spirits to be able to offer um, my my skills and the profession of chiropractic to, to people who were struggling on the front line, knowing the people coming in with all sorts of problems, the shoulders, elbows, lower back problems always. And uh, if, it, if I wasn't there helping them, then that would be something that would just be ignored. And um, the sort of things that if, pe if the average person in this country was suffering with from uh, backache and uh, pain down the back of the legs they were getting sciatic problems that would be all the excuse they need not to go into work and these people were getting back on the front line and, and it was just taken for granted that they were they were working um, it's not like a job they're defending their country um, from an aggressor did you notice that none of them have uh, complaints and even when part of your job was to what are you what are your complaints about your health and what what's so you as a doctor demanding them, you know, you need to know what are their complaints. And they was doing everything to just like, even do not complain, even in this setup, in this context. How funny it was. I, I noticed it. I'm not used to that. Usually yeah. when I ask people who come to see me, you know, what, what are the problems, then, you know, it's time to get the pen out, make sure it's full of ink, you know, and, and get that information <laughs> down in, in the consultation. But but there it was. Um, yeah, all good. Fine. Um do you remember that that gentleman who came in and I we would obviously he wasn't speaking English, um, but he was speaking Ukrainian and it was being translated. And I had to say to the translator, you know, I need to know what's going on because on the back of the consultation sheet it was empty of information. And uh, that, so he was asked the question. He went, "No, oh, I can't think of anything." I said, "Well, it must have had a road traffic accident. You look like you're about fifty-six years old." I checked the paperwork, and he was. And then we were asking a few more questions. Eventually, he says, well, no, I did have some type of incident. Um, I rolled a car at 140 kilometers an hour. and uh, But it was I didn't go to hospital, and um, I was able to walk away from that incident with bruises and cuts. So I didn't think about putting it down on, the, on your consultation sheet. And so I laughed, and I said, well, is there anything else that you perhaps need to tell me? 
Um, any the, other accidents and at all? And then we started guessing. Yeah, yeah. Is and, there any and, wounds by yeah. guns or so anything? So the next minute, is... yeah, he's he's pulled his pants down and he's, oh, I've been shot in the leg twice. It's <laughs> the last thing he would like to complain about. Oh, it's like, a, it, was an, it was another world. Uh, in some places, people complaining about weather, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it was just that it's a tough life. And I've, I've got, certainly yeah. after my visit to the Ukraine, I've had a different viewpoint. Did it on the life On the life that we're leading today and... and I'm seeing it through different eyes completely about what we, what we, how we deal with things mm-hmm. as a human being. So I want to um, wrap this up if it's okay with you. I think I've really enjoyed speaking to you. It'd be great to have some of those learn something about your past as well. Same here. Um, thank and you. good luck with the, your music in the future. And thank, thank you. you, Maureen Lacombe, for coming along. Thank you, Alan Walker. And uh, for anyone listening, thank you very much. I fully enjoyed doing this today. This is the first one, and we've got another one set up in two weeks time so uh please subscribe uh and pass on to your friends that would be great as well if you think they might be interested in what's going on in in certain parts of the world right now uh thank you god bless peace